0: So happy to hear so many voices saying hello. So happy to see fresh faces, new faces. So happy to see so many familiar friends. It is good to see you. Happy Labor Day to you. Thanks for being here. I'd like to start today with a scripture from Romans 12 into Philippians 4. It's a bit of an extended scripture, so I'm just going to read it for you. But let it really just penetrate your heart and mind as we begin this, this, uh, this sermon today. Uh, This is a passage that you've heard, if you've been here, you've probably heard this a number of times from me over the past 20 months, but this really is a foundational passage for us as a community. Romans 12 into Philippians 4. I'm just going to read it for you. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Here's Philippians 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. We are so grateful for you and the investment that you have made in us as individuals, God, through the cross that we just celebrated in communion, but also as a collective, as a church, as a body. God, you call us the body of Christ. And so, God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for believing in us. We thank you for all that you've done on our behalf and all the ways that you love us and lead us. So, Jesus, as we we look into your scriptures today, as we spend some time contemplating what it is that you have for us, God, we ask that you would just open our eyes to your presence, that you'd soften our hearts to your goodness. And God, that you would help us, really all of us, take really significant steps into the peace that you offer today. So it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus, and we all said, Amen. Good morning. How are you doing? You all right? Welcome home, welcome back, so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today on this absolutely beautiful Labor Day weekend. A special welcome to everyone watching online in their cabin or hotel room or in the car stuck in traffic or in the couch or Tuesday on the podcast, whatever. So glad that you decided to join us um, and I believe with all my heart that the word of the Lord will never return void. And so whether you're here in-house or you're somewhere else, you're now or then, whenever it is, I'm so glad that you made it a priority to hear from God today, to hear from God in the scriptures, especially as we finally land the metaphorical plane that is church people, this extended summer series that we have been doing, where we've taken this extensive look at the values of that God instills in His people that He calls His church, these distinctives found in God's character that are passed down as, I think we would say, family values from the good Father in heaven to His kids, His children here on earth, to us, His, his church. And what we learned is that, is that He is calling us to be a people of love like He loves, a people of obedience as He is faithful, a people of good news in response to the gospel that saved us, a people of fellowship in his name, a people of truth rooted in his word, a people of gratitude in a world of entitlement, a people of rest in a world of hurry, a people of mission and ownership and invitation and vision. And finally, last week, what we heard from Pastor Manny, that we'd be a people of presence, that we would commit to existing in proximity to God, and proximity to one another for his glory and our good, a people of presence. And this leads us up to our last value, as we're landing this plane here. uh, Last value we're covering, from God, God's character, and what makes us unique in the world, from God to us, as he tells us that we should be a people of honor. A people of honor. Now the word honor, it gets thrown around, just like all these other words we've talked about. And so let me just quickly define terms. When I say honor, what I mean is honor is an assumption and recognition of identity, dignity, and worth that's independent of past or present circumstances. If you're taking notes, write this down, get your phone out, take a picture, do what you need to to remember. Honor is to assume and recognize the identity, dignity, and worth of another independent of past or present circumstances. This is the only time your pastor is going to tell you to get the phone out in church, okay? Get it out, take a picture if you need to. And I, I want to park on honor today, and you can leave it up on there for a little bit longer, David. I want to park here today as the final value in thought because God loves Honor. God has always loved honor. In fact, he showed us this priority and this expectation that we would be a people of honor in in, in the very first page of our Bibles. Genesis chapter one, it says that God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So verse 27, Of chapter one. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God showed us honor, this assumption, this this recognition of identity and worth and value and dignity, independent of past and present circumstances. He showed us this expectation of honor by honoring us first, by honoring humanity first, when he created us in his image in his identity. God could have formed people. Goodness, God could have formed people to be anything he wanted. He could have made us to reflect trees or stars or alligators or elephants. Like God could have made us robot slaves to just kind of tend to creation and make sense of it without question. God could have done anything, but instead God made you and God made me and every single person that's ever lived. God breathed his breath into our lungs in his image. God made us in his likeness as his reflection. God honored us by speaking over us this assumption that you matter. He he created us by speaking over us this assumption of identity when he created us to be like him. Dignity and worth were given. Genesis chapter one, not because of anything they did. They hadn't done anything yet. It wasn't because of anything they did or anything they didn't, but simply because God said so. And and I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but let me say it one more time. God made people his prize of creation. God made you and me, and he said that you matter that you have significance, that you have purpose, you have value, you are not no one. You are not no one. You are someone designed with purpose to be like God, not to be God, but to be like God. This is what God said. This is what God did on the first page of our Bibles. How about that? God honored us and instilled in us the expectation to do the same this priority, to recognize the God-given identity, dignity, and worth of another, independent of anything we can bring to the table. And this is it. We are a people honored by God to be a people of honor on God's behalf. Now, I know that there's some of you in the room that might have like the back of the hairs on the back of your neck standing up a little bit because you're like, wait a second, I I don't understand. So are we supposed to just like accept everything about everyone? And like, so let me just say quickly to be a people of honor doesn't mean we passively tolerate, accept, or approve of everything everyone does. That's not what I'm talking about. Honor is not a denial of reality, but it is a recognition of identity. We don't honor every action because God doesn't every honor every action, but we must honor every person because God honors every person. We must believe about them what God has said about them. Which I think for most of us in the room, I mean it's Labor Day weekend. Some of us might be a little tired. We're excited for sleeping in on Monday, so you know we're just kind of we're kind of figuring this stuff out. You know we got some extra coffee and donuts outside. You might be regretting the refill on the way in, but I think sometimes we hear this stuff and and it sounds awesome. Like yes, you matter. I matter. This is amazing. We all matter because God says so regardless of what we've done. This is incredible news, regardless of what you know, regardless of what you don't know, where you've been or you haven't. We all have this divine imprint from the creator of the universe to go and be like him. This is what we have, it's such good news. But if you're, if you're anything like me, it's good news I so often forget, both in myself and in others. It's such good news, even as I try to keep this reality at the forefront of my mind, I still so often fail to recognize the eternal worth of others. Like when I'm uh, scrolling on Facebook or internet or whatever, and I come across uh, a a story feature about like the failure of a celebrity. Has anyone ever seen that? Of course you have, we've all seen it. And and immediately my mind, it starts to kind of cheer cheer on the mob as they label this person damaged goods. Or maybe, you know, with the whole political mess that we're experiencing, you know, when a politician does something of which I am privy to this much of the information, when that person does something and I I start to kind of assess the value, their value based on a decision they made. Or when a friend, you know, that I, I care about they stop kind of reaching out, or they, they kind of let me down or disrespect me, and I immediately begin to build those walls around me and assume that's just who they are now, kind of a sum of their moments. Even as someone honored by God, I have been honored by God. Even as someone that knows it, my first instinct isn't always to see people like God does. To be a person of honor is hard, hard. I remember just a couple weeks ago, I'm on vacation uh, with the family in Hawaii. It was amazing. And we're staying at this condo uh, just outside of Kona on the big island, little area called Waikoloa. Gated community, gated condo community, golf course, five minutes from the beach, incredible like infinity pool, you know, you show up, it's absolutely stunning. And so we're there, a couple days in, meeting folks, kind of saying hi that passive, like, you know, we're in the pool here, and there's some people over there, and we're like, hey, and they're like, hey, and it's like, you know, that kind of sweet moment on vacation, and it's all very normal and comfortable. It fits our, like, our social criteria that we're in, and and then something kind of crazy happens. This new family shows up to the pool, and I... And I want to be careful how I describe this, but like, I'm not talking about like a progressive modern couple with two well-behaved kids going up to this beautiful infinity pool, but it was more like this kind of massive backwoods family reunion from the other side of the tracks. There were like 20 people that show up out of nowhere, using four letter words we don't use in my house, wearing all sorts of stuff that we don't wear in my house, drinking all sorts of stuff. That we don't drink in my house and existing in this in this social etiquette that doesn't exist in my house and it made me feel uncomfortable has anyone ever been uncomfortable around people come on it made me feel uncomfortable and so i called the kids a little closer and i kind of signaled to becca huddled up and then and then friends came the judgment in my heart From my eyes, to my mind, to my heart, I started to make assumptions about who these folks were, what they had, where they were from, and even honestly, and even if they belonged here, in this beautiful gated community. I saw them, and from the inside, I dishonored them because I did not see them like God sees them. And I remember sitting in the pool feeling this tension This tension, like what's happening? And then a wave of conviction. A wave of conviction and shame as I felt God say to me, you don't know them. You don't know their story. You don't know who they are, where they've been, what they've been through. And it's true. I didn't know them But the reality is I didn't need to know them. God's expectation was still that I would honor them, independent of any past or present circumstances, not because they fit the mold of what I prefer or not because we share the same cultural norms, the same background, not because they were respectful or did anything to deserve it. Regardless of any situation or circumstance, we honor, Others because God honored us. When when He made people in His image with irrevocable value, identity, dignity, and worth, this is the expectation that we would see in others what God sees in us. This is the expectation that we would see in others what God sees in us. It reminds me of a story in Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open up, but Mark chapter 2 when Jesus very practically reveals the emphasis here for honor. It was the beginning of his ministry. He's preaching and healing, calling disciples. When he comes across a man named Levi, a man named Levi, anyone good Bible school? What was Levi known as other than Levi? Anybody? Matthew, good, as in the gospel of Matthew. So keep that in mind as we tell the story. So he comes across a man named Levi, otherwise known as Matthew, and it says this in Mark chapter 2. It says, then Jesus, verse 13, then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. So, a little bit of context for why this matters, because this scene would have been absolutely mind blowing for those in the first century and probably for some of us today. So, Jesus. He's this rabbi and he's building a following. He's going around, he's teaching. He, and then he, he's, uh, he, he walks up and he sees a man, Levi, sitting in his tax collector's booth. And now you might be thinking, like what's the big deal about a tax collector's booth? Well, as much as we hate taxes here in California, because we do, the whole system that was in place in the first century Roman Empire would have made ours feel like Disneyland. Because what they did, in the first century in Rome, is that Romans would identify a local. In this instance, from Mark 2, they would identify a Jew and employ them to collect taxes from their own people. But the only way these tax collectors made a living or could survive was to collect more than was owed to Rome. And so Levi, folks like Levi, who becomes Matthew, the great gospel writer of the New Testament, um, they would go and take from other Jews as a career which you could imagine would leave them pretty much despised by everyone. They were seen by Romans as Jewish garbage doing the dirty work, and they were seen as Jews as traitors cuddling up to Rome. Levi, Matthew, no dignity, no identity, no value, no future from anyone. And yet here's Jesus, the very beginning of his ministry Walking up, he sees him, and he doesn't just see him, but he honors him by saying, follow me and be my disciple. Follow me. To a man that no one wanted, a man that didn't deserve anything, to him, Jesus, still honored. And what happened? Verse 14, it says, Levi got up and followed him. Incredible. And this is where it gets wild. Verse 15, it says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love this. It says in parentheses, there were many people of this kind among Jesus. Many tax collectors, many disreputable sinners that were among Jesus' followers. Absolutely amazing. Verse 16. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees, who were the church people of the day, saw him eating with the tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. And this is that, this is it, right? As we talk about being a people of honor, Jesus, he doesn't deny or ignore the realities of sin. No, he calls it what it is, but he acknowledges he acknowledges, um, independent of any past circumstance, that, that their God-given identity and value still count. Jesus still acknowledged the past. He acknowledged the sin. He acknowledged where, where they need to go. But, but even through it all, he still recognized and honored, calling them into a better way. And this, friends, this is the standard for what it means to be the church what it means to be God's people, that we, like Jesus did, that we would look beyond the circumstance of a situation and beneath the surface of a moment to see in everyone the image of God they were created in, the image of God they were created in, to see the identity God gave them before the foundations of the world and honor always, honor the identity, always. Whether they deserve it or not, whether they've earned it or not, whether it makes sense to the world or not, whether it makes us look crazy or not, whether it causes other church people to say, why are you eating with such scum or not? Come what may, we must choose to honor always. Always. But, okay, thinking back to me in the pool or watching the news or dealing with friends who ghosted me or any other countless examples we might all have where we tend to see other people as less, how can we become a people of honor in a world of such constant negative assessment and judgment? How can this assumption of God-given worth become our first response? Good question. Well, if you're taking notes, as challenging as this is, it's actually a pretty simple process. It's a pretty simple process. Two simple things, not easy things, but simple things to help bring us into a more consistent life of honor. And we find them in our opening scriptures from Philippians 4 and Romans 12. Paul says that you must fix your thoughts on what's true. And honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. Put to practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Two things. If you want to see people like God sees you, two things. You need to fix your thoughts and you need to put to practice. Fix your thoughts, put to practice. We're going to break these down real quick. Starting with fix your thoughts. When I say fix, this word carries with it a bit of a double meaning. It means simultaneously to secure your thoughts to, uh, to something, but it also means to repair your thoughts, which, let's be honest, are really two sides of the same coin because our thoughts are broken. Our thoughts are broken so often. We think of all sorts of garbage all the time. And it undoubtedly affects our ability to honor others. So our thoughts need repair. Our thoughts need repair. But the reason they need repair is because they've been secured to the wrong source. We think, bring in garbage. We think limitations because we've received limitations. We assume the worst because the worst has been assumed about us. What comes in, comes out. What comes in, comes out. What we experience, we project on others, which is why Paul says it's so vital that we fix our thoughts, that we repair our thoughts and secure our thoughts on what? Philippians 4. Here we go. On what is true. We repair our thoughts on what is true. We fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable. There it is, on what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We need to fix our thoughts on the ways and wisdom of Jesus Christ, on the truth eternal found in scriptures. We need to bring in the good news to build our, our new paradigms, our mental maps and discipline our thought process on what is real according to Jesus And I tell you what, in my own life, my own life, the more I'm in what's true, the more I'm in the scriptures, the more decent of a human being I am without trying. It can be a hustle to honor. It can be really challenging, but the more you fix your thoughts on what is true and pure and lovely and right and honorable and admirable, when you, when you focus on the things that are excellent and worthy of praise, the easier and easier it becomes to be a person of honor. Faith and obedience is always an effort, but when I'm fixing my thoughts on what's true, it's a whole lot easier. And even more than that, I, it's a whole lot more consistent for me. Again, scripture says the word of the Lord never returns void. It always does the work it's intended to do. So the more we bring that word into our minds, the more we bring that word into our hearts and our minds, the more it repairs our perspective and secures our perceptions on how God sees the world. I am going to say that one more time. The more we bring the good news, the word, what is true, into our minds, the more it, it repairs our perspectives what we see, and it secures our perceptions, we need to fix our thoughts. Now, practically, what are some steps you can take for this? Good question. I'm so glad you asked out in, in the church right now. You guys doing okay? You're, you're real quiet. I'm, I'm a little heavy right now, Be you feeling good? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. So listen, if, if what comes in comes out, and we know that's true— if what we bring in finds its way back out, instead of listening to news in the car that's always polarizing and always depressing, instead of scrolling endlessly on a, on a polarized political blog or Facebook page, instead of bringing in all the garbage, all the garbage that leads us away from Jesus that's always polarized, all the depressing, I just want to encourage you, listen to a sermon podcast. Pick up your Bible and open it up and, and read it. Did you know that every, ser- every sermon that we've, that, that's happened here at the church is now available on Apple Podcasts? It's available on our website. We've got all of our services still streaming on YouTube. If you need some good news in your life, just go back and listen again. Get, get, off, get off the other garbage. What comes in comes out. If you bring dishonor into your mind, dishonor will come out of your life. Bring in some good news. Uh, uh, Listen to worship music, the songs we sing here on Sundays. If you got got five minutes earlier to start your day, open up your Bibles, read a psalm, read the words of Jesus. They will encourage you. At lunch or dinner, when you pray, actually pray. Mean it. (laughs) It sounds redundant, but just mean it. If if you're going to pray, actually believe that you're talking to God and ask God to give you a greater love for your neighbor. When you catch yourself assessing someone like me in the pool, uh, for any reason at all, as you see, ask God to give you his eyes to see them like he does. When you start to feel like you're stepping into judgment, whether it's in your own heart, your mind, whether you're watching something dumb on TV, or you're listening to something on the radio and you start to spiral, ask God to fix your eye. Ask God to give you eyes like him to see people like he does. Ask God to lead you in his ways of love and mercy and compassion. Repair and secure your thoughts on him and let him lead the way. That's first. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Now, second, if you want to be a person or a people of honor, and this should be obvious, Paul says you must put to practice. Put to practice all you learned and received from the scriptures which essentially means start doing what the Bible says. (laughs) Novel thought, right? Start doing what you say is true. Practice what you preach. Don't just think about it. Don't just process it. Don't expect someone else to do it for you. Allow what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. Allow those things to make their way from your head to your heart and down to your feet. We must put to practice all we've received. And Paul, he really drives this home in our, in our kind of extended passage from Romans 12. I'm going to read it all again because I need you to really listen to this. This is incredible. That if we're to be the church God requires, a church people of honor, then Paul says, verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This is so good, right? Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This is where it gets tricky, right? Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. How's that feel? How's that feel? Good, right? No. No. No, it doesn't. It's hard. Don't curse them, Paul says. Pray that God will bless those who persecute you. Don't look at those who persecute you with judgment. Instead, pray that God will bless them. How about that? Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud. This is me in the pool. Here we go. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people or people that are different than you. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all you can to live at peace with everyone. Put to practice love, real love. Put to practice what is good, really good. Put to practice delighting in honoring each other. Put to practice patience, hope, and hospitality. Practice blessing those who persecute you. Verse verse 15, practice spending time in company of ordinary people. I just think about that, that story in Mark chapter two, where Jesus is making his way around, and what does he do? He surrounds himself with ordinary people. Take delight in spending time in the company of ordinary people. Practice doing things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Friends, we need to practice. We need to put to practice because honor is hard. Honor is hard. It is not our first impulse when we encounter people that annoy us or people that frustrate us or people that are different than us or scare us or have different priorities or values than us. So if we're to begin to see the world like God does, and this is the plan, we need to practice looking through his lenses, fixing our thoughts on his way. It reminds me of my kid, Ford he just started first grade first time in school it's been an adventure i'll just say it he's six years old and kid is brilliant if you know him he is he is whip smart totally crazy he's been reading and doing math for years but but the one thing we've never really stressed in him is handwriting he's got devices right like so he can type up a storm but to actually pick up a pencil talk about cursive Who, who learned cursive in school do you remember that Good stuff, right? I still know how to do the cool Ds anyway. Um, so, so we never really stressed writing. And so even though he's able to read and understand words, to reproduce them is hard. But part of being a student is putting in the work. So every single day when he gets home, we sit him down and we have him practice handwriting, practice letters, practice upper and lowercase, practice staying in the lines. Practice, practice, practice. And that's what this life of faith is all about. What it takes to be God's church people of honor. It's putting to practice all the things that we fix our our thoughts to. Even, Even things that don't come easy. Even the things that might feel foreign to us. Even the things that might seem contradictory to the world even the things that challenge us, because it's there in the practice. It's in the practice that we grow. It's in the practice that we mature. It's in the practice that we come to reflect the God whose image we have been formed in. It's in the practice. And so we need to fix our thoughts, and we need to put it to practice all that we've heard and seen and learned. So... As we close today, and, and not just today, but close the series about what God expects from us as his people, church people, let me just say one more time for good measure, that God's only expectation for us, his only expectation for his church is found in what we've been talking about today, and it's real simple. It's that we would be faithful carriers of his image. It's that we'd be faithful carriers of his image. God honored us when he created us for the sole purpose of showing the world what he is like. God loved us, believed in us before the foundations of the world, and he spoke future over us when he like him to live for his glory. He did. God honored us. Before, anything, before we did anything to deserve it or, or to remove it, and so now it's up to us. God did the work, but now it's up to us to be a people of honor to those around us to carry that image we've been given by God to those who haven't quite seen it yet. And this, when we boil down really the entirety of the Christian life, this is is what we get. A people honored by God to be a people of honor for others so all might come to know and experience the glory of God. To be a people honored by God, to be a people of honor for others so all might come to know and believe and be saved. That's it. This is it. It's doing what God would, like God would, so the lost can be found and the found can be free. This is it. This is what it means to be the church. And so let us, let us be his church people with thoughts fixed on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, repaired and secured. To the gospel of Jesus. And let us be his church people who daily put to practice all we've learned and received so the world might catch a better reflection of the God who loves them. And finally, let us be his church people of honor and presence, vision and invitation ownership Mission, rest, gratitude, truth, fellowship, good news, obedience, love, alive to show the world what God is like. Let us be his church, the carriers of his image. Amen? Amen. This is the way of Jesus. This is what we see in the scriptures. Let us follow him. Now, what a gift it was to process these values. We're going to sing in just a minute, so if the band wants to come back up. It was... It was seriously, we had no agenda for how long we'd be talking about this. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Um, we initially had like three or four that we wanted to talk about, and we had some other things. But, but then we just kept feeling this, this, um, this impression from, from the Lord that like, there was more that he wanted to instruct us with, more uniqueness, more distinction that he wanted to make us aware of. And so it was, it was a truly a gift to process these family values with you. And just so you know, a lot of what we've talked about over the past you know, 15 weeks or so has been really kind of abstract and theoretical. There hasn't been a lot of like, instant practice. It's been like, oh yeah, cool, I need to be more grateful. That's perfect. All right, how do I do that? Well, for the next year, starting next week, I'll fill you in more. But for the next year, we're going to be talking about the practices, about putting values to practice. And we're gonna be focusing those down into six key practices for the, for the next ministry year. And so next year, we'll kind of present those to you. Um, but I just want to encourage you as we go, as we reflect on all these values that we've received and we've heard and we've processed, um, I just want to encourage you to consider the image of God you carry. I think sometimes it's really easy to just, you know, we're, we're, we're people and, you know, we're at church. And, but this is so much bigger than just a religious service, it's so much bigger than just a faithful obligation. You carry the image of God in you. The, the purpose you've been given and what truly defines you, it, it's, it's more than your money, it's more than your passions, more than your gender, your history, your jobs, your sexuality, your success, or even your spirituality, this image that you have received from God. It it brings meaning and identity to your life like none other. And it's in you, whether you see it or not, and whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's there. And this image, this heart, it wants to propel you into your greatest possible life. A life of honor and vision and rest and peace and love, these values. But it all starts, maybe for some of you today, it all starts with fixing your thoughts on one truth and putting to practice daily the good news that saved you. So we're going to take a minute to consider this image of God that we carry, the image that we carry. As we sing together, but before we do, I just want to pray for you. I want to ask that God would open your eyes to what makes you unique as his people, and I want to ask that God would enlighten you and remind you that with him, anything is possible. that nothing, and I mean, nothing can separate you from his love. And I know that there are some of you here today that have yet to cross that line of faith. There are some of you here today that have like, you've been, you've been here, you've been faithful for weeks or years or decades. And there's still this sense of disconnect between like, oh man, you know, I know this to be true about God, but I've never surrendered my life to God. And so I just want to give you an opportunity right now. I I know some of you. I don't know all of you. I don't know where everyone has been. I just want to give you an opportunity to actually step into this image that God has created you in. And so if that's you, I'm just going to pray for you. And then the band is going to lead us. But if that's you, I just, just pray along with me in your heart. Pray along with me in your heart. It just starts like this. This isn't, this isn't the only thing, but it's the beginning. It just goes like this, Jesus, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're good, that you love me and you lead to peace. Jesus, I believe that you came and you died on my behalf. Jesus, I believe that you made me in your image to do great things on your behalf, to be carriers of your glory. And I wanna start that today. Jesus, I believe you're real, you're good, you love me and you lead to peace. From here on out, Jesus, it's, it's me, I, I'm with, following you. So God, I just ask that if there's anyone here that maybe for the first time made a faith decision, whatever that looks like for them, God, I, I just, uh, just want to encourage you to lay heavy on their heart that they might uh, start to feel the real significance of the purpose that you've given them, the love that you've, that you've shown them. And God, for everyone else in this room, I just ask that you would lay heavy on their hearts too, that you would open their eyes to see the world like you do, to see the lost like you do, to see people that are different like you do, that we'd be a people of honor, independent of circumstance, independent of past or present realities, God, we would see people like you do, as your church people. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. God, it truly is your breath in our lungs. And so in a moment, we're just gonna sing that out to you We're going to praise you for who you are and thank you for all you've done. But Jesus, continue to open our eyes to your presence. Help us see others like you see us. So it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Why don't we stand and sing?